this morning. If you uh, need a Bible, just wave your hand. Someone can bring one to you. Uh, We have extras, and if you don't have one, we're happy to give you one. Lord, I thank you so very much that uh, you inhabit the praises of your people, that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of them. And so we can reasonably believe that you are here with us. And so we do ask that you would help us in our humanity uh, to be able to uh, read your word, to understand it, to grow. Uh, we thank you that you've not let us left us alone adrift, but God, that you are with us and that you've left us your word as guidance. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to turn to John chapter 5, and I'm somewhat whimsically with the warm weather entitling this Pool Time. Pool Time. John chapter 5 is where we're going this morning. And uh, some, it kind of seems like I've been a little bit more teach than preach recently, but uh, I'm going to go a little more preach than teach this morning. Are you excited for that? Some of you, the rest of you are still looking for John 5, I assume. All right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 5. We're going to read just the first nine verses. I was tempted to read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time this morning, we'll just read these first nine verses. Are you ready? All right. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now, I'm going to kind of set the stage here to help us understand what it is that we're looking at. So first of all, we have had God reveal himself uh, through creation and through covenants that we have detailed in the Old Testament. There's been uh, 400 years of silence is what we uh, is how scholars describe it from the time of the last of the prophets ministry until Jesus arrives on the scene and Jesus has lived. Um, into adulthood in what might be called a largely uh, unremarkable life. Uh, not necessarily the tallest, strongest, fastest, most popular, most witty person, uh, but tempted in every way that we are and yet without sin. Jesus has then since revealed himself as the Messiah, the sent one, God with us, the one who is sent to fulfill the law and the prophets that we have through the Old Testament, and to initiate a new covenant. God making a way for us to have our sins forgiven, regardless of our ethnicity, without sacrificing animals or through other ordinances, but through Jesus Christ, through a simple faith in our hearts, a belief that He is who He said He is, a confession of our mouth that it's possible that new life is possible in us. And those of you that have already gone through the Purple Book, which is one of the books we have over there um, on the table, which please, all those books are free. I have them here for you. You can have no excuse to have not have any summer reading. I'm giving you free books. 
So if you've gone through the Purple Book, you may recall the lesson on one of the evidences and benefits of salvation where God gives us a new heart. It's so critical that we understand this basic of salvation. That God sent His Son Jesus to be God with us. God with skin on. To fulfill all that had been promised to bring to a close, as it were, some of God's ordinances to initiate the new. And just as Jesus was initiating the new, He makes all things new inside of us. He makes all things new. We don't need to look to our past anymore. So when Jesus initiated this time of teaching, this, hey, I'm going to now open my mouth and talk and reveal God to you. That initiation came with, at first, a statement that he would make. We see in Matthew 4, over and over, wherever he was going, wherever he was teaching. And that was repent. Turn away from the way that you have been behaving from the direction that you were going. And turn toward God. Repent. Turn away and turn toward. Confess your sins and receive new life. Now, what we see as evidencing that Jesus isn't just a crazy person, that Jesus is who he claims to be, is miracles. And you may recall one of the things that we say here is that everything about Jesus reveals something to us about God. Right? Everything about Jesus. And one thing that we need to point out here is the setting and what's going on because it's significant. And that's why John, even though John doesn't detail some of the exact pieces, he does give us some of important information. Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem and he comes into the city through a gate where in particular there were people that were poor, people that were in need. Really, if you, if you were to define the word poor, you really would come away with an idea of someone who is dependent. See, by most U.S. standards, I grew up poor, right? My, my dad would have holes in his shirt or shoes or whatever. We have canned food. For a while, we were on government assistance. Not long, but for a little while, right? So when you depend upon others for food, for your basic needs, that would be kind of how we would define poor, right? So if you're not dependent on someone else, you just have you know, a little less to work with, right? So Jesus goes to a place where from the street Greek that John is writing here, we know that there are people who are poor, people who are sick. What kind of God do we serve? Jesus, the, the gates of the city, some were places where politicians, leaders, business leaders, spiritual leaders would go to have meetings where deals were negotiated, where deals were ratified. Or people would go to maybe get into a contract with each other. They would go to the gates. The gates of the city, some of the gates of the city were an important place. This gate is different than that. This is a gate where in the original architecture we've got pools of water, uh, we've got multiple pools of water, different things going on. But what it has become is a gate for people who are poor, people who are sick, people who are in physical need, who are asking people for financial help. Does Jesus go to the gate where the wealthy people go? Does he go to the, through the gate where people who are important in society? No. He goes intentionally. 
He makes a point to go to the gate where there are people who are viewed as less than people who have needs. Okay? This is a, a detail that is given to us in the scripture that we shouldn't miss out on. So what kind of God is it that we serve? Is it a God who when he would come and reveal himself to us would only go to those that could give him political power or money to fund his campaign and add to him? No. So much so should we in our lives purpose to not just go to people that can benefit us, but go to people where we can serve them People that will never have a chance of repaying you. If you want to know if you look like Jesus, you can look like Jesus by serving people who can never repay you. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus goes. Now, he... He gets in a conversation with this man who's been sick for 38 years. An invalid is would be the translation of the word that's used to describe him. He's got some sort of illness that makes him weak, right? He's been sick for 38 years, and there's a conversation that goes on there. And some of the later texts, not the original, uh, you may know that we still have copies of the original text. Some of the later texts that were reproduced included a little bit more explanation about his story than what's in the original text. Uh, just let's just settle it with this. He tells a story of, "Hey, I'm I'm by this pool because I've heard that every so often the water is stirred by an angel, and when it does, the first person that gets in gets healed." That's the story that he tells Jesus. Now we don't have any evidence that that actually occurred, but that was a story that he'd been told, and you're going to understand why I'm referring to that in just a moment. Jesus asks him, "Would you like to get well?" And I want to I want to explain something. We'll pack this a little bit in our time together. I'm not um, what some people would call theologically a cessationist. A ses- what that means is I'm not a person who believes that the miracles stopped when the last of the scriptures were written. Now, some have come up in churches with that belief. That's not me. I'm not a cessationist. I'm a continuationist. Is that a word? I'm a continuationist. I believe that God has continued to operate in what we would call supernatural ways after the end of what we have here in the scriptures. I'm a continuationist, okay? But Jesus says, do you want to be well? Now, I want to just pause here. And I want to say to you today that one thing that is obvious to me in our gathering is that the same Jesus who asked him, do you want to be well, is here today to ask you, do you want to be well? The same Jesus, the same Jesus who went to where there were people who were poor, people who had need, the same Jesus who went to there were people who were blind, people who could not hear, people who could not speak, people who had incurable diseases like leprosy, the same Jesus who said, do you want to be well, the same Jesus who healed people is here today. I believe that our God heals our physical bodies. Now there's something that's very important for us to draw from this story as well. Because what is his response? He says, do you want to be well? And he says, I can't. Because I can't get there quick enough. Now again, we don't know if that's what was actually happening, but I don't believe that our God is a first come, first serve kind of God. 
And if you're paying attention to the story, that's what he believes of God. That God is a first come, first serve. That God will provide a miracle for the first one to get there. The one who showers and dresses nice and pays their bills and knows how to say the right words and how to pray the right prayers. Well, that's not what Jesus reveals to us that our God is. God is not a first come, first serve kind of God. You know, I've never been at the front of the line. In my growing up, in my childhood, in my schooling, I was never all that coordinated. I was never all that athletic. I never got very tall. I was never at the front of the line. I'm God, I'm glad that our God is not a first come, first serve kind of God. You would not have picked me. You would not have drafted me as a, a preteen, a teenager, as a young adult. If you were looking for somebody to lead the church, you would not have picked me. Y'all just know me now. (laughs) Our God is not a first come, first serve kind of God. But what is he saying? Jesus says, do you want to be well? And he's saying, from my understanding of who God is and how God operates, it's not possible. Are you picking up on that? From my understanding of who God is and how God operates, it's not possible. And I want to seed you with a thought today. God is not limited by your understanding. God is not limited by your understanding. God is not limited to operate the way that He operated in the past. God is not limited to only do and only say the things that He has done in the past. Now, He's given us the Scripture, and I believe the, the, the Scripture gives us principles to live by and riverbanks and gives us a way to verify, and it says the, the prophets are subject to the prophets, or the prophetic word in your gathering is subject to the discernment of people in the, in the gathering that have the prophetic gifts. And I believe that. I believe that the Scripture can give us an interpretation, but I also believe that He is the God of the new. Great is His faithfulness and His tender mercies are new every morning. God is not limited to function in the way that you understand. It's time to let Him out of the box in your life. It's time for us to come to a place of expectation of anticipation, of desiring more, of desiring something greater, of desiring a greater revelation of whom our God is, of desiring more of His presence in our life, of desiring of His thoughts above our thoughts, which can include vocational dreams. So my uncle had a career as a bricklayer, and one of my first real jobs was to be a laborer to work for him. You don't all need to laugh. A bricklayer's laborer is called a hod carrier. Hod carrier. A lot of people in construction think a hod carrier is the toughest job in construction. You, you're responsible to set things up so that the only thing the bricklayer needs to do is pick up a brick and set it down. Trial the mortar, put it up. You set up the scaffolding, you carry the brick, You put them right in his path. You mix the mortar. 
you take the sand, the lime, you mix everything up in the mixer, you, you are moving non-stop. When he's done, you clean up. Before it starts, you set up. You do everything. And my the first job that I was on, we were doing a, um, a ski lodge for somebody who had money. It was a four-story structure. And there was no brick on this job, which I know sounds strange. It was rock. And it was not round rock. It was rock cut out of boulders. So it was cut down this by this by this. So each rock... I used to have a little more muscles. Each rock was about 75 pounds. One at a time. That was my first job. That was what we call a baptism by fire. And what was interesting about that was that the chimney was straight up the middle of the structure. But there was a loft. So the fourth floor, there was no floor for half of the structure so that you could have a loft on the fourth floor and look down on the fireplace in the third floor. So what we had to do is carry a scaffolding up these stairs and inside the third floor set up a scaffolding so that, so that my uncle could, could build this fireplace all the way up the middle. It was a baptism by fire. It's carrying the rock, carrying the mortar, setting everything up. And one time I'm in the, I'm in the house and the, with this, you could, you could just mix the mortar and you put it in five gallon buckets and then you carry it up the stairs. So you just carry as much weight as you possibly can handle up this four flights of stairs. And I'm up on the inside of the structure and I hear my uncle yelling my name at the top of his lungs. And so I sprint down the stairs. One, two, three, four. And he's standing out there with a buddy who came by to visit the job laughing his face off. (laughs) Hard work is never wasted, right? I totally forget now why I started that story. (laughs) When the homeowner said, I want to do rock instead of brick, my uncle's first inclination is river rock because he loves to work with river rock. He's got a whole fireplace that's gorgeous with river rock. And the guy says, no, no, that's not the look I'm going for. I want it to look like this. God is a good builder. God is not limited in your life to only work the way he used to. It's right, it's good, it's healthy for us to anticipate him doing something different. Do you know that Aslan House has the name Aslan House because Brian has this revelation of kind of like from C.S. Lewis novels, the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is a lion, kind of an ana- analogy for God. God is unpredictable and predictable, right? Great is his faithfulness and his tender mercies are new every morning. It's so important that we don't get lulled into a sense of familiarity in our relationship with God to the point where we do not value Him, where we are not in love with Him. You hear what I'm saying? By familiarity, we can cease to expect the supernatural and cease to expect something different. We can start to live our lives the same whether he existed or not. 
And there's a fine line here, because I believe that choosing every day to worship Him is important. I believe that choosing to pray every day is important. I believe that the duty leads you to joy. You hear me? The duty leads you to joy. But what can happen is that in the duty or in the work of the Lord, you can forget the Lord of the work. You can lose the joy. You can lose an awareness that He is a living being with thoughts, with feelings. He sings, the scripture reveals to us. He has plans. He has hopes. He has desires. God is not limited to function. Now think about this man who needed healing. If he allowed himself, this, no, it's not possible. Now think about this. Not only is he limited by his view of who God is and how God functions, but he's also limited by his focus on his own limitations. Right? Saying, oh, I can't be healed because I can't get there. You see that? Just two different ways that in our life we can miss out. We can miss out on what God has for us by being either too narrow in who we think God is or being too focused on our own limitations. Now this applies in physical healing. This applies in healing for mental health, emotional health. This applies to healing from stuff from your past. This applies to receiving forgiveness of sin. I've seen people that, well, okay, I can mentally uh, accept that God can forgive me of these things, but I'm still holding on to this uh, deep down. I don't like to talk about this, but deep down, I, I, I don't really think God f- can forgive me for that. God is not limited. God does not want to be limited in your life. So this applies to physical healing and this applies to personal healing. Are you with me? How many are ready for Jesus to walk into the room? Let's let go and let God be God. Let's let go and let God be God. Now, Here's what happens. I know that some of us have, have reacted from maybe churches where there was a lot of shouting and screaming and stomping, right? It's like, that's not my jive, right? That's not my rhythm, that's not my pace, right? But some of us are used to that and we don't like the quiet. Both the loud and the quiet need to like, hello, you can worship God quiet one day and loud the next. That was really important, let me say that again. You can worship God loud one day and quiet the next. Right? God's not limited by what felt good for you the time before. Are, are, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down here? here? Here's what I've seen in sales. So I've worked in sales a lot. I've managed a lot of salespeople, trained a lot of salespeople. Sometimes what happens with salespeople that are selling the same product over and over. Like, I put myself through college selling carpet. I figured out real quick the labor thing was not the best thing in the world, right? So, when you're selling the same product over and over, what can happen is you make your first sale and you use, like, a particular line, a particular thought, right? 
And then when you go to talk to your second person, you use the same line, but then in that conversation, maybe you stumble on something else that works that closes the deal. So then when you get to the third person, you're using the first line and the second line, and maybe you're trying to come up with the third. So by the time you get to the fourth person, it's TMI. You're just talking and talking and talking. You're not asking them the qualifying questions, learning about their needs, learning about what it is that they like about the product, how it might meet their need, and you're losing sales. Does that make sense to track in with me? Okay. We can do the same thing with God, right? You can be like, oh, God works like, so that worked. So then every time I come to God, I got, I got to do that. I have to be super quiet or I have to be super loud or I have to do all the talking or I have to expect him to do all the talking or I just read my Bible or I just pray through the Lord's prayer or I just pray through the armor or I just, are you hearing my voice? Right? It's time to freshen up. Try something different. It's time for us to release God, to let go, and let God be God. Now, the last two Sundays before today, and today included, we've had, um, I think, the most, what I would call prophetic or presence-driven or an awareness of God's presence worship services that we've ever had. And last Sunday, our good friend, Pastor Patrick, talked about it being time for us to cross over. And if you had to miss the last two Sundays, I would beg you to go our website or iTunes to listen to the last two Sundays' messages. It's time for this church to cross over, and that includes an expansion of our understanding. So, in the previous month, for the first time in our church history, someone either than Rebecca and I ministered prophetically. And then today, we experienced what we call the Song of the Lord. And so I just want to unpack this just a little bit, okay? First of all, some of us in this room have read the book by Brother Andrew, The Practice of the Presence of God. That's the right title, isn't it? Practicing? You, you, You can find it. Practice of the Presence of God. If you... um, I would say from my conversations with most of you, that most of you could grow in your understanding of the presence of God. Okay? What can happen is if my God time is limited and my God time is only me talking, then I'm naturally going to come to a place of being frustrated and feeling like God's not alive and God's not speaking. Because I'm not giving Him an opportunity to speak. Now God speaks through the Scripture. God speaks through creation. He definitely speaks through the scripture. I'm a massive, the name of the church is City Bible Church. I'm a massive proponent of studying the Bible because God speaks through the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you study the Bible, the more you learn about him, the more you learn about how God operates, the easier it will become for you to recognize is that God's voice or not God's voice. I learned the voice of God. That's what one of the books that's over there is answering God. It talks about praying in response to the Psalms. I answer God in my prayer from my revelation of whom he is through the scripture, right? But on top of that, if I never quiet my soul, my mind, will, and emotions, if my thoughts, if I don't know how to discipline myself and set aside enough time to shut off the voices from inside my head, turn off stuff with lyrics, turn off, separate myself from others, Jesus himself, Set aside time to be alone to pray. 
If Jesus did it, I think it's important. If I'm not ever getting any time for God to speak to me, if I don't have enough scripture in me to recognize if it's his voice or not, I'm always going to have a problem. But listen, don't feel like, oh, I got to memorize all. No, no, no. Just start with a verse. Start with a minute. Don't crush yourself with unrealistic goals spiritually. But I'm calling us as a church to more time in God's presence, to growing, expanding our understanding of God's presence and hearing His voice. It's time. It's time. It's time for us to be hungry, for us to come to Him hungry, for us to be expected, for us to repent of not expecting more of Him, for us to repent of only thinking He can work the way He did in the past or the way our parents' church worked. For us to repent of those things and to open up and say, God, you be God, you do what you want to do. And just because I've never seen somebody healed physically doesn't mean that you can't do it through me. Are you with me? Just because I haven't seen the prophetic or the song of the Lord or healing or the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, just because I haven't seen those things doesn't mean that God can't do it. If it's in here, God does it. Right? Some of us are experiencing brokenness in our lives and we have personal things and physical things that I believe are not healed because we have limited God. And if all we do is seek the gift, we will not connect with the giver. God, give me this, give me that. What about God, give me you? I want you. You notice today, like we don't normally sing three songs that are kind of touchy-feely, and we did today. It's good. We need a reminder that this is a relationship. If we're coming here for religion, I'm out. I'm out. I'm coming here because of a relationship. And that's not just for me. And what can happen, and I, there may be resistance inside you, even right now as I'm talking about this. You think, oh, that's just other people. I'm not saying that God will work the same in you that He works in me. But I am saying that if you desire Him, if you seek Him, if you ask, He shows up. He shows up. And the same Jesus who asked this man, do you want to be well, is here this morning. Do you want to be well? See, there's much in Scripture about the prophetic, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about the song of the Lord. These are things that we believe in as a church. These are things that we believe there should be room for. To help us connect with a loving God. To help us hear His voice. To allow there to be an exchange in our relationship with Him. It's time to let go and let God. Now we're going to give a time for prayer, but I want to give you a couple action points real quick first. Our response includes these three things that you see on the screen. See the invisible, believe the impossible, and overcome the obstacles. 
Our relationship with God is not a passive thing. It's active. And it requires a responsibility of you. Many, many stories in the scripture of people's spiritual eyes being opened to see the spiritual realm. You can too. Is, is, is Jesus the largest thing in your imagination? If you're lacking joy today, it may be because Jesus is not the largest thing in your imagination. If you're lacking joy, let's maybe not look at it as, I need a quick fix this moment. I need to drink this or swallow that. Or just good Jesus heebie-jeebies with this song. But maybe it's a long-term fix. And you need to dig into the scripture and read more and more and more about who Jesus is. Nehemiah wrote, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You've got to see the invisible. Believe the impossible. Those things that seem impossible in your life, it's time to believe. It's time to expect. It's time to put in a request. And then we've got to take a step. We've got to step across the room. We've got to overcome the obstacles. Chris, will you come and play? Let's give time for some prayer and we'll close. And then we're going to enjoy some lunch and games today. Enjoy each other's company. I'd like you to just close your eyes. And I hope, as is always the case, that you're asking God what it is today from the Scripture that is for you. The truth is that what we're talking about is long-term, but it's also momentary. It's also momentary. It's also just a very simple, God, help. God, I let go of control. God, forgive me for limiting you the... It's a simple prayer. So as Chris prays, I want you to just have a quiet moment of prayer. And then I'm going to pray and invite God's presence for healing. Just take a moment to pray. a touch from the Lord today, healing physically or personally, just lift your hand. I'm going to pray right now. Our Lord is here. God, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. We invite your presence here in this place now. We thank you that you are opening our eyes to you, to who you are. And I ask right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would come. 
that you would do miracles in this place. Miracles of salvation. Miracles of dedication, of focus, Lord. Right now that you would bring healing to our physical bodies. We believe that it's by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, that your power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask that you would do a healing miracle in the name of Jesus, that you would set right whatever is wrong, that you would calm nerves, that you would settle respiratory systems, that you would release the healing agents in the bloodstream. Lord God, that whether it be skeletal or muscular, Lord God, whatever's going on, Lord, that you bring healing to tendons, to ligaments, Lord God, that you would do miracles right here, right now in this place. We say, God, we are expectant. We are no longer limited by how you've operated in the past, but we are expectant, Lord, and we say, come now, Lord Jesus, and do miracles of healing. Lord, we come before you and we say, some of us are hurt, we're angry, we're lonely, we're tired. Lord God, we need healing in our thoughts, healing in our emotions, in our decision making, Lord God. Lord, healing in our attitudes, we need to be made new. And so God, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would come and do personal healing on the inside. Personal healing that would radiate out of us in the coming weeks from the inside out that we would experience joy like never before that this joy would be our strength that you would come on the inside of us and make all things new renew our thoughts and our attitudes give us a new heart today we thank you for who you are for all that you've done we thank you that you are a miracle working God Lord, I pray that you would help us, that you'd remove distractions, obstacles, put within us a new resolve today to spend more time with you, seeking you and aware of your presence. Put within us a greater strength of character that we would seek you every day, be focused on you, devote ourselves to you. Lord, and I pray that you would remove obstacles, bind our enemy, and Lord, his agents, his works, and his effects, Lord God, that we would be able to see what you want us to see and hear your voice and enter into a new season of joy and expectation. We would see miracles in our life, in our gathering here, in our gathering in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our neighborhoods. We thank you, Lord, that you make all things new. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless our food and our gathering, our fellowship here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I'm so glad that we can be together today. Grace and peace to you. We're going to just kind of change the arrangement of this room a little bit so that we can enjoy food. Uh, we've got some grilling that's already been going on. So we're going to have hot food uh, walking in the door here. So let's... Uh, I'm going to put a movie on for the kids, and we're going to have a good time. But uh, let's enjoy each other's company. Give somebody a hug, a high five, and uh, let's have fun this afternoon. Enjoy a great holiday weekend. Grace and peace to you.